e pluribus unum. All right? What does it mean? Out of many, one. And where do we find it, and what is it? Well, that's interesting, isn't it? It's on all kinds of things, mostly money, right, with the symbol of the United States of America. But if my research is correct, it is not the official motto of the United States of America. It is an unofficial motto. Does anybody know what the official model is? And I think it was uh, 1956 in God We Trust. Very interesting. Because I think if you asked most Americans, they would say that both of those are sort of the motto of the, of the United States of America. Out of many, one. Which is, as we know, a very high-minded kind of goal. And as we're seeing, especially right now, as, as many things are being revealed in the ways that we still consider ourselves to be many, meaning we still consider ourselves to be very different. And in some ways, there are parts of us, parts of different cultures and, and different ethnographies within these United States of America that very much want to keep that that way. I want you to be that because I'm this. And if you're that, then that means you're not good and I am good. And I want to lock that down. Out of many, one? No. Unless it's my many. (laughs) Then I want us to be unified. This past week, we had, again, another mass shooting or mass killing. And while all the details of it are still sort of swimming around us and we aren't really sure why and what and all this sort of thing, what it has brought out is the fact that many Asian Americans, ever since the pandemic began, COVID-19 became part of us, that Asian Americans have been having increased violence against them. And so this situation then with these women being killed and these other people being killed has, has brought that up to the fore. Here in Richmond last night, there was a candlelight vigil for Asian Americans. And this is not just the only thing that's been happening, right? I don't know about you, but it just seems like at times the one has become many and the many have become frayed and disconnected and that in some way we've lost this American notion at least that our cause, what makes us strong, is to build allegiances and alliances and to come together with one another to build communities. Because the one in e puberis unum, in my understanding of it, is not that we're all of one unified mind and heart and that we look all the same and act all the same, but that we hold one another dear that we have regard for one another in a particular way, that we care for one another, and we are willing 
that we are willing, yes, to strive for ourselves in that pursuit of happiness, but we are also willing to strive for the happiness of other people so that other people can also become out of many one that they can pursue goals and have valuable work to be done to be seen as honored and honorable but right now in our country it feels like out of the one if there ever was a one there is many and the many are afraid and what's interesting is that as Jesus talks here about what it means to be a, his follower, about what it means to be one who would be his disciple, to be one who is in the community of God, he, I think, would tell us that, that we need to be unified in him. We need to be unified in the God that we understand, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we, we are unified, that we find our ground in God, but that when we find our ground as one, and I mean as a singular person now, as we find our ground in God, it is not until that one dies to become fruitful. Because when we die to ourselves in following Christ, when we die to ourselves, Jesus says that it bears much fruit. When we set aside our striving for simply our own happiness or our own salvation, if we want to talk about it in church terms, for our own faith, and, and when we die to that and we seek the good of others we find that God blesses that and that the ground that we have been planted in, the ground that we have died in, the ground that is Christ produces an abundance of hope and love and passion and strength and a willingness to be for the other. Not to just say, well, I've got mine, Right? Because that's our tendency. Even, even within the church, that's our tendency. Our theology over time has gone from sort of a collective, oh, we have been saved, to an individual, I have been saved. And I don't think that when we err on one side or the other that we do ourselves any favor. I don't think we are theologically correct when we just say, well, I'm saved and that's all I need to worry about. Or I'm saved, now I just, I gotta get your single soul saved and drag you in here, and then that means that, that's what it's about. It expands beyond that. My goal as a person who is following Christ is not simply to save your soul for God. It is to work in the community of God. Jesus says, when I am raised up, I'm gonna draw all people to myself. He didn't say, well, when I'm raised up, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna draw, I'm just gonna draw those who have, who have signed on the dotted line and who believe the Apostles' Creed and the, and, and this and that and the other. I'm just gonna draw those people to myself. No, when he is raised up, when that fruit comes to, to bear, going to draw all people to him because he 
is an attractive savior. He draws people to himself because it is the draw of love. It is the draw of hope. It helps us to set aside our selfish selves, the way of this world, so that we can move into the way of the kingdom of God. And that is the vision that is in Jeremiah. It's a very high sort of vision, isn't it? As, as Jenny read, right? the days are surely coming. And, and what you have to realize is, I believe that Jeremiah is basically prophesying, and they're still, they're still in exile. And Jeremiah is with them. If I remember correctly, Jeremiah is with them, with the Israelites, in exile. They are not in the promised land. They are not feeling like they're connected with God very well. The days are surely coming, says the Lord. Well, I will make a new covenant. It will not be like the covenant that I made. It's not just going to be written on stone somewhere to look at. It's not just going to be on a dollar bill or on a half dollar coin that says e puberis unum. It's going to be in our hearts. I'm going to write it on your heart. You're not even going to have to teach each other anymore. It's this very high ideal. And I don't know that we get there before God is in and through all things in that great and glorious end. But that is the vision, right? That that we die to ourselves, that single grain of wheat dies and is planted in the ground of Christ. And when it grows and it produces fruit, that love of God is imprinted on our heart. We don't just have to read it in a book. We don't just have to look at it on the wall. We don't have it on coins. We don't have it in slogans and saying it is in us as we produce this fruit of righteousness, as we would say in the church as we would come together in the one who gave himself for us. And I know that sounds like a really high ideal, right? I mean, because again, I don't know about you, it's, I've been despondent at times. I've been despondent about my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Because as I see some of their behavior, I wonder, which Christ are you following? Are we still all in need of that death (laughs) to self? And I think that the death to self is not just a one-time thing, even though like for, for us in the Reformed tradition, we baptize once. One baptism, one faith, one Lord. That death covers it all. Actually, the death of Christ covers it all. But but when we come through the water, we die with Christ and we are raised by the Holy Spirit. But I believe that we are always in this journey of dying and rising with Christ as we come face to face with ourselves. When we look out and we see what is happening in our community, we are part of that. Even if we did not take those actions, somehow we are part of what is happening and we are always being called to speak out against those things that do not draw us together. We are called, each one of us in differing ways, to work, to work 
for this salvation in Christ, but to work to show other people who Christ is, that they might be drawn to him. And I know sometimes it feels like, well, what, what's the way? How do we do this? I remember when we had the committee together who was talking about coming back together in person and, and we're getting in the weeds, you know, about, and some of you are in here, so you, you know what I'm talking about. We're getting deep in the weeds about, well, what, what do we need to do and what do we have to do? And, how, you know, do we have to have somebody roving around like, pull your mask up, do your hand sanitizer. And I remember I texted Jennifer at one point and I said, I don't care if we ever go back to in-person worship, if it's going to be like that. Because that doesn't seem like church to me. We've got to do what we've got to do and and we've got to keep each other safe. And I was like, how are we going to do this? What is the way? But God makes a way. God always makes a way and it's Rarely ever is it the easiest way. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this? No. This is what we were made for. This is what we, as followers of Christ, were made for. We were made for times like this. This is when Christians show out, as they say. This is when we show up. Pandemics, plagues, when people are sick, when people are hurting, this is when we show up. Because we know that the way of this world, and in here, when Jesus talks about the world and the ruler of the world, the Greek word is cosmos, where we get our word, cosmos, that's spelled differently. But one writer said, we ought to read cosmos as the system. Now is the judgment of this system. And the ruler of this system is going to be driven out. Hmm. We know that there are systems now, if we didn't before, that are set up against certain people. And the ruler of that system, this system needs to be driven out. And in Christ, it's already been driven out. That's the, that's the amazing thing. It's this, it's this both and sort of thing. It's now, it's already been done, and yet it is to come to pass And we are the ones called because we have seen what the system does. It took the one who is our Savior, right? Who was known as the Messiah, who they thought was going to be this great ruler. And it said, "Uh uh-uh, not the way you want it to come to pass. The system killed him. But God showed the system a thing or two that day. Three days later, Christ rose from the dead and said, The system may have won this round in terms of killing me, but that is not the end for any of us. The system does not have a future. The system does not have a future. And many years later, anybody know who Pythagoras is? Pythagorean theorem, right? Well, apparently Cicero was paraphrasing Pythagoras in this way. When each person loves the other as much as himself, of course, we're, we're dated here, we're just, but we'll say it this way. When each person loves the other as much as themselves, it makes one out of many. Maybe the Greeks knew a little something. <laughs> but doesn't that sound very similar? 
Jesus' crucifixion judges the system. It reframes our understanding of what the system is and how it works and what's really going on in the world. And it gives us cause to show up and to show out as the followers of Christ. But it gives us the reason to show up and show out not not in a violent way. There is this interesting thing that even through the death and resurrection of Jesus, there's this myth of redemptive violence that what has to happen is to bring order out of chaos is, is that we have to defeat the other in some violent way. And that is not the way of Christ. And that's what makes it even harder because it would be easier to say, hey, we're on this side, you're on that side, we're going to eliminate you. That's the system. That is not our gospel. And so then we come to this other Latin phrase. You good Presbyterians will know it by heart. I'm sure. Ecclesia reformata. Semper reprimanda secundum verbum dei. All the elders in the room are going, uh-oh, I didn't pass the test. The church reformed, always to be reformed according to the word of God. We are reformed. We are always being reformed by the word of God through the Holy Spirit. It is in times like these that why it's so painful is because when I don't know what it feels like for a a grain of wheat to go down into the ground and to then sprout and to do all of that, but it changes from one form into another. That can't be easy. Getting something written on your flesh, in your heart, is not an easy process. Reformation is not an easy process when we are undergoing it through the Holy Spirit with God. And so if you're feeling stressed out, if you're feeling frustrated, if, if it's hard for you right now, you're right in the right place. But take heart. Because Christ went to that place long before us and shows us the way now. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. And whoever serves me, my Father will honor. And so in this dying, in this being planted in Christ, in losing our life and being reborn to this new life is the real life that we have been promised now, And always, may we be reformed through the word of God by the Holy Spirit. In the name of Christ, amen.